good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Um, I mean, you may be seated. Um, so, yeah, so PD asked me to speak two weeks ago, three weeks ago, two, I don't know, on Mother's Day. And I didn't argue because, well, I already know what that will get me. <laughs> But I started to think, I mean, well, I'm a mom. Shouldn't I be preached to on Mother's Day? But um, I instantly accepted. I didn't put up a fight at all because God gave me something instantly. Um, and it has gone through many different iterations <laughs> since the first time that, uh, that I thought and prayed about what I wanted to speak about. But um, the essence of it is still the same. And I hope that you all are blessed. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people and speak your words of life. I totally avail myself to you, and I ask that you be glorified, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable and that all preparation up to this point would be for your glory, that you would speak to your people through your word, and that their, their ears would be opened, and their minds would be enlightened, and their hearts would evermore rejoice at your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. So uh, the title of today's message is A Mother's Faith, A Family's Redemption. And we're coming from the book of Ruth. Um, so before we go there, um, I just want, I know that looks like a whole lot. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of listening and reading today. I hope you guys bear with me. I promise you, you'll get something out of it because most of it is coming out of here. Very little is my opinion. Um, um, but um, I tried to be 100% scriptural, but I got a couple of surprises in here for y'all. Um, but I, I, I got this email um, from a blogger a couple of years ago um, named Amy Young. She sent an open letter to pastors through her blog. Um, she has a blog at themessymiddle.com. And so this is an open letter to pastors, um, a non-mom speaks on Mother's Day. Actually, the letter is a lot longer than this, but this, believe it or not, is an excerpt. It's like a poem or, I don't know, but you'll see. So I just wanted to read this. Um, because we want to cover all bases today. It is Mother's Day, but Mother's Day is an observance um, that is a civil one and not a religious one. Amen. And so this is still the day the Lord is made, and we want to make sure everybody is fed, and we want to acknowledge everyone. So to that end, this kind of speaks for itself. Um, to those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility fraught with popes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make it harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, 
we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who lived through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who have aborted children, we remember them and you on this day. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way you long for it to be. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who envisioned lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. To those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart and we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you. I thought that was very fitting. You know, Mother's Day can be a very hard day for some people. Mother's Day um, is, is a great day to celebrate what mothers do day in and day out and don't get acknowledged for, but it, it also can be um, very difficult for those who don't have the traditional path of motherhood. So I celebrate every woman today, no matter where you are on your path. Um, we love you, okay? And um, so I just wanted to share that. I hope that was all right with everybody. Amen. Okay. It was called The Wide Continuum of Mothering. Again, that's from Amy Young. You can check her out. She's an interesting woman of God. So we're going to get back to today's topic, a mother of faith. When I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about, I was thinking about all the different moms in the Bible. And, you know, you, you think about, um, of course, the first and foremost, Eve, who was the mother of us all. And uh, then I thought about Hannah. Of course, I thought about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I decided that I wanted to, um, in light of what we just read, um, talk about something a little bit different. A mother who, at, some, at one point, the, where we meet her in scripture, wasn't, wasn't going to be able to have a happy Mother's Day. She had just lost two sons. I wanted to start there um, because not only is the story of Ruth um, a great demonstration of the gospel, um, but it's also just a great story about um, not just the spiritual redemption that it represents for us in scripture, but it's, it's a family's redemption story. It's about losing everything and then gaining more than you could have ever hoped for. So that's today is, um, is kind of what inspired me. And that's where we start. So if you turn with me to the book of Ruth, it's in the Old Testament. And it is right behind Judges. When you got it, say, I've got it. Y'all beat me. Okay. <laughs> if you need more time, say, hold on, hold on. All right. All right. So I promised you a lot of reading, so let's just get right into the word. Verse 1, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to the sojourn, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the wife 
Um, his, the, wife, the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malan and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These two took Moab, Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about 10 years. Both Malin and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then arose with her daughters-in-law, um, then she arose, excuse me, with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. For she heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. And if I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? 
And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back from, with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied and had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an epaph of barley. She took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with this, his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests. And she lived with her mother-in-law. We're halfway through. Can I keep going? All right. Because it preaches for itself, you know. Verse, um, chapter 3, verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative, with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. 
So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do all for you that you ask. For my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight. And in the morning, if he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then, he went in, then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, these six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said to me, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And when he turned aside and sat down, he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But you will not tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and to Malin, and also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malin, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. 
you are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together build up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this woman. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went in to her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the women came to Naomi. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron, Hezron fathered Ram, Ram fathered Aminadab, Aminadab fathered Nashon, Nashon fathered Salmon, Salmon fathered Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. What a wonderful story that is, right? So let's just review what we read. I know it was a lot. And thank you guys for suffering through it. <laughs> Although it, I hope you didn't suffer through it. Um, so Elimelech, Naomi, and their sons leave Bethlehem during famine to live in Moab. And within 10 years, the, each of the men are dead. So Naomi lends up, um, ends up in a foreign land alone with no money, with nothing. Broke, poor, widowed with her daughters-in-law who are also widowed. Um, then Naomi releases her daughters-in-law, telling them to go their way, to return to their gods, their mothers, and that she's going to return to Bethlehem. But Ruth says, no, I'm going with you. And she stays. Then Ruth goes and, um, to Bethlehem with Naomi, and they both are destitute. So Ruth, in, instead of sending Ruth to glean the field, Na um, excuse me, instead of sending Naomi to glean the field, Ruth goes and ends up, by God's grace, in Boaz's fields. He blesses Ruth in Yahweh's name for her kindness, and Ruth shares her blessing with Naomi. Then Naomi took the lead. She was like, look, I'm going to get y'all together. And she did that, told her what to do, and Ruth obeyed. And then love, marriage, baby carriage. Um, the whole, the, 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 the community came together, as was their custom. The elders approved the transactions, and the women, and the, you know, they, everybody, it was just a cloud of witnesses around this marriage and around the birth of this baby. Um, and so Ruth ended up having a happy Mother's Day. She who was barren and a widow now had a baby and a husband with a big bank account, okay? Um, <laughs> Naomi's heir is of the lineage of David, and of course we know that King David is in the lineage of the Messiah. So the mission redemption was accomplished. So that's it in a nutshell. So we could all, as my husband says all the time, close the book and go home. But of course, we have more to talk about. Um, let's just kind of keep this in context. Okay, that's Moab all the way over there. 
So these women either came across the Dead Sea, which I highly doubt, because I don't think anybody was crossing the Dead Sea. There was no fresh water, because that is like the saltiest sea in the world. In fact, it's called the Dead Sea because nothing can live in it. And if you drink from it continually, you will surely die. So I'm sure they either walked up to the north or either down to the south and all the way to Bethlehem. So that's just to give you an idea of how far this woman journeyed away from her home and how far this young woman who had known nothing else but Moab had journeyed with her mother-in-law to get there to her home when she could have stayed and been comfortable. But even more so, I want to talk about the, the fact um, about the Moabites. Let's talk more about the Moabites. Now, the, the Ruth, the name Ruth means friend, but in actuality, Moab was not a friend to Israel. Um, let's go to De Deuteronomy 23. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 3. When you got it, say, I got it. Okay. Need more time? Say, hold on. Okay, everybody has it. So this verse 3, no Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the 10th generation. None of them may enter the assembly of the Lord forever because they did not meet you with bread and with water on the way when you came out of Egypt. And it goes on. So there was beef there. Um, but yet Ruth is a friend. Okay. So not only did a hated woman come into the land of Israel, but Understand that it must have been bad in Israel for Elimelech to take his family down into Moab, down and around the Dead Sea into Moab. All right. So um, the men of Moab were not permitted to marry Israelite women ever after whatever went down went down. Um, however, Moabite women were permitted to marry Israelite men, which is why Ruth and Orpah ended up with Malin and Chilion. Um, but this is another thing I want you to see. Now, we, you look over here, Abram, we know ends up being Abraham. Abraham's father, if you follow that yellow arrow, is Terah. Terah was also the father of Haran. That's Abraham's brother. And you remember Lot, when Abraham and Lot in Genesis 13 had to separate? That was the nephew, and there's all this stuff going on because they had so much wealth or whatever. So Lot... When he said, I'll go this way, this way ended up being Moab. Well, before he got to Moab, he went to Sodom and Gomorrah. And then, y'all know the story, right? They left Sodom and Gomorrah because of all the mess going on there. God judged it and went up in smoke. His wife looked back, turned into a pillar of salt. So Moab, and, and um, it says Ben-Ami there, but actually I guess it's Ammon because he ends up being the father of Ammonites. Moab and his brother Ammon were actually the result of an incestuous relationship between Lot and Lot's daughters. Okay, so y'all with me now? So the, that's how the Moabites came to be. So the Moabites are basically the tribe of Moab, whereas Abraham ended up having Ishmael, Isaac, and, and all them kids, Bakatura, you know, but his other wife after Sarah died. But that is how, that's the breakdown. So that's how, they all, that's how everybody came to be. So when Lot and Abraham separated, Lot first went to Sodom and Gomorrah, but then he ended up in Moabite. Well, his descendants ended up in Moabite and I mean Moab and Ammon, and those those are his descendants. So that's how that all breaks down. 
And to give you an idea, this is the same Dead Sea where Moab is down here where it says Moabites. You see the old Sodom and Gomorrah down in the Dead Sea. And up here, um, around, I guess, you see where Bethlehem is under Jebusites? So that's the same map. That's how it all came to be. So that's how that all got the way it was, and that's how, why they had beef. So they, the, Moabs, the Moabites were looked down upon. They were not friends of Israel, and yet Ruth was a friend to Naomi. And understand that Ruth knew the history. It wasn't like she didn't know about who God was, and she knew that her people had made a choice not to follow the God of Israel. And it would have been comfortable and acceptable for her to stay in Moab, but she decided to go with Naomi. And it kind of makes you wonder, you know, these two women, now it doesn't say how they got there, it doesn't say anything about their journey, so anything that we talk about is just us, you know, imagining. So again, here, here's where my little opinion comes in. But that was a hard journey to take. Two women, you couldn't cross that big, I mean, well, that sea. You had to go all the way around, leaving what was in Moab for what was in Bethlehem that was so bad before that it made these people come to Moab. So th there were some risks being taken. It wasn't just an easy, oh, I'll go with you. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. It was, uh, this, was, this was serious, and it was weighty. And Naomi knew that, and so did the people in Bethlehem who greeted them when they got there. So that's why Naomi was the talk of the town. So when Naomi talks about, don't call me Naomi, my name is Mara, um, well, Naomi means sweet, and Mara means bitter. So she's saying, my life is no longer sweet. I done went over here to Moab, done lost everything, and now I'm all the way back with nothing. So that's why she was bitter. That was her sadness. Just trying to keep some of this in, in context so y'all understand what was going on. Y'all with me? Is this all right? Okay. So then let's talk about gleaning. Did any, does anybody know what gleaning is? Okay, so gleaning is God's provision for the poor. All right, let's go to Deuteronomy. You should still be in Deuteronomy. Let's go to, over to chapter um, 24. Uh, forgive me for not asking you to hold your place there. We were there earlier. Chapter 24, verse 19. When you reap, your, oh, is everybody there? I'm sorry. Everybody there? Okay. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterward. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. So in other words, everybody who, was, everybody who had something, you weren't supposed to like get all you could get. You weren't supposed to take the last. You were supposed to leave some for the poor. That was like kind of, you can kind of consider it like the, the Hebrew welfare system. Except for getting the government involved, they looked out for each other. So they gave, they gave you know, they, they intentionally left it for people who didn't have. So when Ruth is out there gleaning, you know, th that ain't a pretty thing. Gleaning is, I'm poor, I ain't got nothing. I'm coming, you know, with, she was going out with everybody else who didn't have anything. She was going and waiting in them same long lines, you know, if we could bring it to today's context. You know, she, this wasn't something that was like cute 
and, 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 and nice and okay, you go gleaning and you get you a man. You know, you go gleaning because you didn't have anything. All right, let's go to Leviticus 19, just to bring the point home even more, just to show you. We're supposed to take care of each other. 19 verse 9, everybody there? Yes. Okay, anybody need more time? All right. You shall keep my statutes. This is God. You shall not let your cattle breed with a different kind. You shall not sow your field with two kinds of, oh wait, no, we're not supposed to be here. Huh? Um, the wrong place. I'm sorry. I'm supposed to be at nine. I was at 19. Sorry. <laughs> okay, we're at Leviticus 19 verse 9. I was reading at 19. Sorry. <laughs> Verse 9, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. And then if you read on, it says you shall not steal, you shall not deal falsely. So these are all in line with the commandments. You know, part of what... Um, the Levitical code was it, you, you were supposed to take care of the poor. So this was something that was common, but it also, you know, it was also stigmatic in that if you were doing that, you were poor. It was a public display of your need and your, your, your need for something because you didn't have, you had lack. So Naomi, whose husband was a landowner, returns to her home begging. But Ruth went in her place. So that's also a big deal. Naomi didn't have to go and do it. She stayed home and Ruth went and did it for her. Okay, for both of them. So then let's talk about kinsman redeemer. Does anybody, everybody familiar with that? Does it benefit me going over it? A, a kinsman redeemer is a male relative who according to the various laws found in the Pentateuch had the privilege or responsibility to act for a relative who was in trouble in danger or in need of vindication. So that's what a kinsman redeemer was. And a re I mean, it's the, any, if you needed somebody to redeem something from you, um, I mean, for you, this was that person's responsibility. So that's where Boaz and the, re the redeemer that was before him, they were the closest relatives of Elimelech. So because Elimelech was a landowner and had a widow, um, there, you know, there's provision again, in, in their customs and in their ways for those women to be take care, taken care of as long as there was a family member um, that could do it. So Ruth, I mean, it was different because usually during that time, let's say Naomi was younger, then the redeemer would, marry, would redeem her directly. But here is Ruth from Moab coming in and getting in on the redemption you know, from a land that, you know, that is considered, you know, just basically, I mean, the slums, you know, you guys are a product of an incestuous relationship, and then you, you, you didn't do right by us, and then you don't serve our gods. Just look down upon and hate it, and yet Ruth has taken her place um, to be a part of the redeemed. So these are the things that... Um, that we end up seeing happening with this story.
our takeaways can be these. This is the first one. A daughter's true conversion resulted in a display of love, devotion, and service toward her mother. All right? And that's just in everything that Ruth did for Naomi, um, in accompanying her back to her land, in taking her place, in gleaning, making sure, you know, just taking care of her and loving her, serving her. Um, number two, daughter Ruth is blessed because she honors her mother. And we, you know, we know this from um, Ephesians 6. Let's go there. Ephesians 6 is um, a referral to Deuteronomy 5.16, which is a commandment. Um, and I'll just go ahead and read. It's Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your mother and father, or father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And it goes on. So another takeaway is that the reason Ruth was blessed is because she honored Naomi as a mother. Someone who didn't give birth to her, she honored as a mother. And she was blessed, and it was well for her. It went well for her. Um, another takeaway. Ruth listens and heeds Naomi's instruction and gets her Boaz. So this whole story is alluded to in contemporary times so much. You know, you hear women all the time talking about, I'm praying, I believe in God for my Boaz. Mom and, and Dwayne and I were over at the house listening to some preacher. I won't even go into detail, but they kind of just ran down the, the Boaz and created all these names, and that's all I'm going to leave it at. Um, but people talk about this and make fun of it, but this is where it all started. And it's not just about getting a man who can pay all your bills and take care of you, but it's also about the fact that Naomi was able to not only tell Ruth how to get him, but also Naomi was able to approve this man. Now, I couldn't resist. <laughs> I have seen this movie so many times because Destin is in love with it. In fact, I'm so glad he's in there because it would be so disruptive. But up here, these are the characters from the Disney movie Frozen, which is now on DVD. How many of you have seen that? Okay, all right. okay. who hasn't seen it? Okay, some of this may be lost on you. However, you will be inspired to go see the film. But um, I'll explain the characters right here. So um, these, two in the sis these two in the middle are sisters. This is Elsa the blonde, and then that's Anna with um, reddish brown hair. Hans is the guy on the far left. And then, oh, what's his name, Jacqueline? Kristoff. Uh, Kristoff? Kristoff, yes. yes. How could I forget Kristoff? Oh, you, ooh, you knew it too. <laughs> so this is, this is So anyhow, the reason I'm bringing this up, the ring reason I'm bringing this up is because um, these sisters, um, I don't want to, I don't want to create spoilers for those who don't know the story, but basically, um, Hans and Anna got together because Anna was so upset about having Elsa, um, like hide herself from her for a long time. But what she didn't know was that there was something else going on. So there's this sequence, there's this song from the movie called Love is an Open Door. She met this guy and 15 minutes later was, you know, engaged to him. He proposed. 
because she was looking for love and all of this. And so she, the song was like, oh, love is an open door. But love is not always an open door because what she didn't realize is that all these years her sister was trying to protect her. Sometimes love is a closed door. And the reason that I love, um, the reason that I love this story, and this, that, that movie is so full, and one day I'm just gonna go and write a whole, a whole like, you know, just dissertation about why this movie is so profound in so many ways. But her sister told her when she went to go, um, went to ask for permission to marry Hans, she said, you, you don't know him and I don't approve, I don't give my blessing. But how many know that Naomi gave Ruth her blessing? And if, and, and Ruth was at a place where had Naomi said, okay, Boaz is not the one, there's another redeemer, and we're gonna connect you with him. Then we know that because Ruth was serving Naomi and was following her, she would have listened and, you know, but the, my point is that Ruth's, Ruth was able to benefit because she listened and, bec and because she acknowledged Naomi as authority and heeded instruction. Uh, and some, if you don't do that, if you just go looking for the first man who seems like he has it going on and he can take care of you, then you may not get the result that Ruth got. Ruth got the result that she received because of the order, because of Naomi's instruction, which ended up being the protection they needed until they got the covering of the kinsman redeemer. Is everybody with me? So I just love that, I had to take that departure. Um, yeah, let's look at them again, aren't they lovely? <laughs> yes, but so love is not always an open door. Sometimes love is a closed door. And in this instance, it ended up being an open door for Ruth. Um, number four, fourth takeaway. Boaz recognized Naomi's need and put himself at risk to redeem her and Ruth. Now, he was kind of clever the way he went about it. He could have said, okay, Elimelech's daughter-in-law is back here with Naomi and I want to marry her. But he didn't do that. He, it was full disclosure. There's some land involved. You got some. I, he could have just gone and married her. But he followed and did the right thing. He was upright in all of his ways. And so he sought out the one who was closer in relation to make sure that he didn't miss out. And so that's another way, uh, another takeaway from this is just to, to always take the higher road, to always be open and honest. Um, and again, I believe that that was another reason why this family ended up being so blessed. Um, but that risk that he took I think, and, and scripture demonstrates, is, is also because of the risk that Ruth took to come with Naomi. And so, you know, because she planted that seed, she reaped this, all right? So the fifth takeaway is the community of believers witnessed and had a role in this woman's restoration, Naomi's restoration, this couple's marriage, and even the baby's naming. Isn't that something? You notice how when they got to town, oh, Naomi's here, and at, you know, and sometimes people are like, they all up in my business, but it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. It takes community for redemption to take place. You know, it just, it, if, if Boaz had not heard about Naomi and Ruth's plight beforehand, he never would have reacted or responded the way he did initially when he finally met Ruth face to face. So God used that. It wasn't they were gossiping. You know, um, well, some of them probably were, but God used it anyway. 
<laughs> but um, and even in you know they, then they were like, oh, this marriage is gonna be blessed. You know, you saw how the cloud of witnesses, everybody was coming together and was truly and genuinely happy for them. Isn't that amazing? That can still happen today. Um, sometimes we just have to remember and open our hearts to that. Um, that the community of believers does play, take a, does have a role in the in redemption. Um, and then the last one is that God received the sum total of every act of these people from Naomi to Ruth to Boaz, even to those, pe those women who were naming the baby. He received it as an act of worship. So, Courtney, why do you say that? Well, let's go back to Ruth and let's go to chapter 4 and let's go to verse 17. Everybody there? Need a little bit more time? I want everybody to see this. Okay. Is everybody there? Okay. So Ruth 4, 17. They named him. Okay. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. That means nothing to you, right? Well, what if I told you that Obed means worship? Isn't that something? At the end of the day, these two women, God knows what they look like after they finished their journey and got to Bethlehem from Moab. Because mind you, I'm just reminding you, they were all widows where they came from. They had nothing. And then they traveled and had nothing. They got there looking like who did what, who dragged in what, okay? They, 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 they looked crazy. And to, for them to get from where they were when they first returned to Bethlehem to the place of being the redeemed and a wife and now a mother, that people were rejoicing with them. People were happy for them. And people understood that this came because of Ruth's well-known acts of service to Naomi. So everything that Ruth did, God received his worship. And the people were able to see that and discern it. And that's why they named this baby Obed, which means worship. So the gospel was displayed through a mother's faith when a foreigner became a child of the Most High God and was engrafted into the promise when this daughter laid her life down for her mother-in-law. A family was redeemed and a direct line was established to a king after God's own heart and ultimately the Savior of the world. So what we can take from that today, oh, is that likewise we have a redeemer and he lives, who remembered us in our affliction, who provided a way for us when we were poor and needy, and we have gleaned everlasting life that we did not earn. Mercy prevails when you trust God even in bitterness and he will restore the sweet. Let us pray. Father, you are faithful. You are merciful. And God, even as these two women who had nothing ended up with everything, not because they had a home and money and someone to take care of them, but because a woman who knew idols and bitterness and shame a foreigner was received as your own and became your own. And we thank you, Lord, that we were yet foreigners 
and you accepted us, you delivered us, and you redeemed us. You paid for us a debt that we could not pay on our own. And we are ever so grateful for that redemption. We are so grateful for this example on this day that we celebrate mothers. Every day is not sweet. There are some bitter days. But your mercy is forever. And your word is everlasting. And we are your redeemed. So we thank you for the great gift of repentance. And we thank you for eternal security that is in you and you alone. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So now, it's time for Q&A. Any questions? <laughs>